This episode of our podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage for your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit their website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. Yes, no, it's all good. Four, four sound checks. Ah, 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 ah. Hey, everybody. Welcome again to the podcast. How's about that for an intro for a change? <laughs> Oh, I have my usual guest, Ian Pavelko and Eric Camacho. Guys, how are you doing? Evening, everyone. Well, doing semi-well. <laughs> You'll notice that the look is a little different this time around. Uh, we're trying out some new software here. We're going for the Brady Bunch look. We've listened to listener and viewer feedback. I know a lot of you guys were saying, oh, I don't like all the switching, and I want all of you on the same screen. So we're going to give this a little go, and if it works out, then we'll continue with it. I think Ian's feeling, well, not under the weather. You just got back from the dentist, or you're a little loopy. Yeah, this whole side of the face is still kind of more like in working in slow motion a little bit. So, And the brain is maybe firing on about 78% of the cells. So you'll Well, have to so apologies in advance. You know, if yes. he's a little slow, it's, so it's not a mental like, thing. Yes. It's just, he's just seems like it's any other show. He's there. under the influence. I mean, there we go. we're going to yes. be podcasting under the influence, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I hadn't gone to the dentist, that would have been my only recourse was straight vodka would have been the next solution. Because <laughs> you know the intriguing thing is, if you hadn't said anything, I'm sure no one would have noticed. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> He's just his normal loopy self. Yeah. Well, um, we should get into the show. There's lots to talk about this week. Um, let's just start off with some public service announcements. So for those of you in the U.S., in the U.S., I should say, um, the U.S. federal tax credit now drops to $1,875 on June 1st. So if you haven't ordered your Tesla and you're still sitting on the fence and you still want that half tax credit, uh, you better get off your butts and do something. Now, the um, uh, this is the last part of the phase out, so it will end at the end of this year. So you still have another six months as of July 1st. So get in there and get your uh, Tesla. Don't forget to order with somebody's referral code. Doesn't matter. Use these two guys' referral code. I have enough. Don't worry about me. But uh, referral codes are in the links. Get yourself that free supercharging. So check the uh, podcast description for somebody's link. Do uh, it. Yep. Do it. Do it now. Otherwise, you know, you have nothing to complain about after the fact. And as a reminder, we get supercharging miles and you get supercharging miles, which is really the cool perk. You get a thousand miles for every order you get and we get a thousand miles. So that's going to take you a lot of places in a very short amount of time. Not me, though. I I get free supercharging, so there's well, no benefit actually, for me. Same. Well, no, well, not true. We, we, we get chances to win stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, but by the way, I get supercharging. You, you, you get supercharging. He gets supercharging. Everybody gets supercharging. Speaking of which, we still haven't seen um, the draw. There was supposed to be a draw, right? Early May for Model Y, and we still haven't seen. What the hell? What's going on? Well, maybe hmm? they, they won't make it public. I don't know. Oh, it's hmm. possible, eh? Well, just goes to say, just keep going with the referral program. <laughs> it's working. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk more about the referral program here in a minute. Um, so the next one here is uh, we're in the midst of a third quarter or second quarter push. We're getting towards the tail end of that. So Tesla has published a web page, Experience the Tesla Arcade. I'm going to bring it up here so everybody can see it. Here we go. Uh, basically, they're saying bring your friends and family to a Tesla showroom to experience the new Tesla Arcade until June 30th. 
Um, Beach Buggy 2. Beach Buggy Racing 2 is the new one. That's part of firmware 2019.20.4. So some of you are still getting 20.2. You have to wait for 20.4 to be able to get this. It's Apparently, it's been pushed out to most of the cars that are in the showrooms. So, um, you know, this is, like I said, it's, it's a push to get people to come into the showrooms and uh, play with the games. And uh, Mommy and Daddy, please buy me this car because I love video games. <laughs> So it's a, I think it's a good way to get people into the showrooms and, and really show people that, you know, it's more than just a car. It's a, it's a family entertainment unit. So, yeah. Uh, so look for that. So keep your eyes peeled. Um, I was told, like the software update, I was told it was being started to be pushed out two days ago. So it's probably still in the early part of the, uh, um, to the rollout to the uh, fleet. So look for that. Um, obviously, um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Um <laughs> uh i'll get into this don't worry don't worry um the next one i was the one on anesthetic here yes yes i know i know well sometimes i get a little brain farts and stuff um yeah elon took to twitter today and also announced that uh starting next month i'm going to assume july 1st that uh, tesla will now charge one thousand dollars for black which is the same price as silver um now that causes some confusion, like what's going on with the paint colors. Uh, so a little further down, someone had asked, um, uh, are they going to, where is that? Where is that? Stupid? Well, everybody thought that was basically a price increase, but it turns out it's not, right? There is a new base color, right? Well, yeah, exactly. So we'll just kick out here for a second here. We'll just talk about it. Yeah, so the new base color is a solid white. It's not the pearl white. So mm -hmm. the solid white color is now the default free color on the Model 3. And... Um, no, he didn't say Model 3 did specifically. He said uh, Tesla charged $1,000 for color black. So I'm going to assume that it's all vehicles. Mm -hmm. So black is now 1000 bucks. The other colors cost. The free color now is a solid white. And we should specify, we don't mean like now as in today. It's actually starting in next month. That, that's right. So I'm going to assume July. it's yeah, after, after this quarter. Yeah, start of next quarter. Um, personally, just from experience and seeing a lot of cars that, um, as nice as black looks in the showroom, trying to keep that color clean is murder. Oh, uh, yeah. It is. And, you know, it's tough to keep the swirls out of it and stuff. So it, personally, my opinion, white is so, so much easier to keep clean. It's easier to, you know, make it look good, uh, more time. I think, you know, someone, I think it was Tom Randall at uh, Bloomberg had, had tweeted, and he seems to think that the purpose is maybe some a lot of complaints from uh, from people about quality problems with the paints being delivered. I don't know if that's actually true or not from that aspect. I know that on the forum and, of course, on the Internet, there's been a lot of talk about some paint problems with the Model 3 in some areas. it's. I mean, we've talked about it on the show. Um, it seems to be a little, you know, it's not universal across the board, but there are some paint issues for a lot of people. Um, you know, there's some reports and stuff coming in from Finland that they're having some issues with that. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. There's lots of discussions about this on the forum. But anyways, getting back to the color situation. So white is the new standard. Stolid white is the new standard color. Um, that's free. And going to assume that the other colors are going to maintain. Now, I also took to Twitter at the same time, and I got a little bit of flack about this. Maybe I'll do a little rant on this. Uh, although I've calmed down a little bit since then. I actually responded to Elon. I said, I think I, I, I said to Elon, I said, it's, it's time to change the palette. Elon responded to me and he says, changing the palette is hell on service because cars last for 20 years. Does that mean it's not going to change the colors for 20 years? Anyways, um, every color change has a long tail of hurt, especially for Model 3. I want to talk about this for a few minutes because uh, I got some flack for this. It seems that people took what I said 
because my suggestion to Elon was, you know, look, the colors are, and I, I, this came in a subsequent tweet that I that I put out there. My personal opinion, this is my personal opinion here, that as nice as the colors are, they're a little boring. It's a little stale. I think it's time that Tesla maybe changes things around. It's one thing to delete a color, but if you're not going to change one of the, the exact colors, so I'll give you an example. Um, the last time we actually saw a color change, and I'm talking about a change, not a deletion. Deletion doesn't count. A color change was in 2016. They went from the dark blue to the deep metallic blue, which is the lighter blue that everybody seems to enjoy right now. It's, it's beautiful. I don't have a problem with that. Um, anyways, make a long story short, I felt a little butthurt because a lot of people were taking me to task on there saying, you're against Tesla's mission. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm suggesting. Elon takes constructive criticism. I, you know, yeah, he wants feedback. Sure. That's all I was giving. I just gave my personal opinion, and people, you know, were accusing me of being against Tesla and all this other stuff. And I'm like, really? That's not how this works. Anyways, that's my little mini rant. It was just a suggestion. I just would like to see other colors, and I, I was giving some examples too. I mean, other car manufacturers tend to change their colors every two, sometimes three years. Um, give you an example. You can order an e-golf in Canada. There's 48 colors you can order. Now I understand that that they don't make that car half a million cars a year, 400,000 cars a year. Mm. On lower volume cars, you can do different paint colors, but it's not to say that you have to leave the colors so stagnant. You know, um, he was saying in the tweet obviously that uh, it's hell on service. I get that from the aspect that Tesla has to handle the whole service situation, having to deal with the bumpers being pre-painted and stored at the service centers, changing the colors is hell. I get that. But I think being a little facetious and saying that cars last for 20 years is a bit much, don't you think? Yeah, yeah I, I, you know, no other OEM really seems to have an issue handling it. Um, I think it's because, again, it's a company that's in the infancy of uh, figuring out how to best build a car. And they just don't want any complications. All we've seen in the last three years, right, is simplification of configurations and anything else to speed up the production line and reduce choices, to streamline things, you know, to, to eliminate as much production hell as possible. That part I understand. Um, I'm hoping in the long term they will be able to open up color choices because it is an area where they're they're lacking compared to their competition. If you look at the color palettes from Audi, BMW, Mercedes, you know all the people we benchmark them against, there's there's a lot more colors and they do change them up more frequently. So it'd be nice to be able to see them approach that level one day. That's that's a hope of mine. But to say that it's hell on service. I thought was a little odd because up until now, the only thing they've talked about is the fact that they're going to have these pre-painted bumpers, which I would have loved to have had two months ago. Yeah, thank I you. Understand. Because mine's my new, my new fresh local painted one is already starting to chip a little, but um, that's really the only component they've talked about. And that's a brand new thing. Like they weren't offering that service even two months ago. So, you know, normally this, it, the, the color problem falls to the body shop that they're, they're working with and not so much to a, a parts issue. It's, I found it strange to put that much emphasis on it. You know, it's as if they were replacing every conceivable. It's like you could get a new door or a new hood or whatever, all pre-painted, and this is how they were servicing the cars. Then, yes, you're talking about a lot of various components, but I haven't heard about anything other than the bumper covers being available. So why is this such a huge issue? Well, some other people were taking, you know, me to task after the fact. They're saying, well, just get a vehicle wrap. Well, you know, a vehicle wrap, I'm sorry, is, you know, to get a really good one done is anywhere from, you know, a good one is going to be four or five, six thousand dollars $6,000. It only lasts three, maybe four years. And because of the fact that so many people are doing out there, just, it, I mean, there's a clear indication that people want different colors. 
Yeah. So, you know, it's a solution for some people, but personally, I'm a bit of a purist. If I had a different color that I wanted, I would actually buy a physical paint color. I wouldn't do the wrap thing. That's just me, though. I understand that people want to do the wrap thing, and I don't and, and I don't belittle anybody who does the wrap thing. I'm just saying, for some of us that want a real color, I you know, give me a different shade of blue. I mean, blue is very trendy right now. I see lots of cars with blue, white and black. Okay, fine. Everybody has a white and a black car, but blue is a trendy color right now. Uh, the dark blue that Tesla offers is really nice, but it, you look at that uh, blue e-tron that um, Audi is touting around. That's a beautiful blue. I'm sure lots of people have that. The, the latest trend, of course, if you look around with a lot of the German manufacturers now, is non-metallic colors. you got these grays that look kind of, not matte, but this non-metallic color. It looks quite sharp. I mean, whatever the reasons that Tesla is doing it this way, I don't necessarily think it's a, a big deal. For one, you know, it was laborious for me to figure out what color I wanted for my own car. And there's only a few colors to pick from. It wasn't like it was crazy. And this is no midnight silver. Midnight silver metallic is the number one color that no, people choose yeah. on the Model Three. Twenty percent now, production. right now in general, Elon has said in the past a number of U.S. vehicles that are black or white is pretty significant. I think the number is well over fifty percent of the cars that they sell in North America are specifically black or white cars. And I was in a parking lot one day, and I look out the window, and all I see is. Black car, black car, black car, black car, white car, white car, black car, white car, white car. So, so it's understandable that they're also now sort of adding a second white. Uh, I guess we can call it a base white. He calls it a well, simple bringing white. bringing it back because oh. it had solid white for the longest time. Yeah. So, so I, under, I understand that there's there there is a, there are a lot of paint colors I've seen in other vehicles, and I think to myself, man, that would look great on my car. But that's okay. It's okay to not have all the same thing it's good to let and the cars themselves stand out because you can easily spot a tesla from a mile away um i think just having all the colors the same the way they've had it now for several years it's okay it just makes them more identifiable uh and it, it does make it easier in terms of the suppliers uh the parts availability i think to ian's point yes if you're mostly focused on body shop work then maybe it's easier on them Either way, uh, I'm content with just what they have. I mean, it, like I said, I, I had six colors back when silver was an option, and I'm like, what do I get? I don't know. Um, if they if there were like two blues, I'd be like just as torn because I'm like, I love blue for a car. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's that's just me. In case somebody asks, Trevor, what would you change in the color palette? Um, my personal opinion is, uh, do something with the red as nice as multi-coat red is. If anybody has seen any recent Mazdas around for the last, I knew you were going there. That soul red. Oh man. Even my wife who doesn't pay attention to cars saw one. She says, Holy crap. Is that ever nice? Yeah. We have an MX five, um, at the, uh, at the shop this week in that color. Wow, it's stunning. It's a breathtaking red. Yeah. About the closest mm -hmm. thing I can think of is look at that red that they did the Roadster in. Yeah, it's very similar. That's about the closest thing you can think of. Man, that would look really sharp on all the Teslas. The, so that's the really one color quick, I would change. The coolest wrap I've seen uh, was the one wrap the person did where they had like the climate change temperature yes. chart. Yeah, yeah, I saw uh, that again. On the, that, you want to talk about color. That yeah. car has got color. It's got like, I don't know, 50 of them. So <laughs> It's really cool. All right, well, that's our rant about colors and stuff. So if you want to look at it, I'll put the links in the uh, video in the podcast description. Let's talk about Bob Lutz. Bob Lutz has popped his head up again, as usual. 
This time, it's positive. Uh, Bob has a tendency to go on some of the news shows whenever Tesla's down and out. And he likes to go on there with his big stogie and he talks. Uh, but Bob, this time, um, <laughs> courtesy of Road and Track, actually had some good things to say about Tesla this time around. So the article says Bob Lutz talks about panel gaps, Tesla, and why every details matter. So apparently... Um, he spied a Model 3 in Michigan. Now, of course, Model 3s or Teslas in general are tough to get in Michigan because the laws don't permit it. I wonder who's behind that. Anyways, so uh, he happened to spy a, a metallic red, multi-coat red, Model 3 in an Ann Arbor parking lot. So he felt compelled to go and check it out. Um, and basically, he said, the gaps from the hood, the defenders, uh, doors to frame, and all the others appeared to be perfectly even, equal side to side, and perfect and completely parable. Uh, parallel gaps of three and a half to four and a half millimeters are considered world class. This model Model Three measured up. Um, so invariably, he has to get his little dig in. So he says, so while I continue to be critical of Tesla's business model and Elon's uh, strategy, of course, I don't think he really understands <laughs> their their business model. So that goes, uh, you know, doesn't go very far in my books, but. He said it was impossible to find fault with the visual quality of the Model 3. It looked like a fiberglass model as seen in design before the production go-ahead. In those models, the panels are not assembled. It's all one surface, and the separations are simulated by a routed groove. Um, later on in the article, he basically talks about how he brought the Tesla, or not the Tesla, but the GM engineers up to snuff because their quality as far as panels were concerned were not up to par. He basically says the Japanese were really, the Germans not as good as people think, Japanese second, and he said, interesting, and I didn't believe this at first, but he said the Koreans were the best at it. Yeah. Um, so the very last paragraph, he says, don't get me wrong, it does require precise uh, design and engineering as well as modern capable equipment to build cars, but excellent fit and finish also requires leadership and focus and will, something that Tesla clearly has. Wow, that's an about face for this guy. <laughs> hey now. Hey yeah, now. I had to check the file like twice to make it what, what is Bob Lutz? This is not Bob Putz. This is Bob Lutz. Yeah. The Bob Lutz. I was, I was stunned. Yeah. But you know, he, he says a lot of horrible things about Tesla. We know that. That's he, you know, he's he, he's never been a big fan, but he has given credit where credits due. I mean, one of the, my favorite lines from him way back when was he, he says that's the reason the Volt existed. The managing guy. That's true. So he got green lighted. Where he says like, how can these these nerds out in California build this little roadster? And you're going to tell me we can't build one like plug in hybrid vehicle? Like, come on, that was the impetus behind the whole thing. So he has given bits of credit here and there, um, but uh, yeah, he he gets a little irrational over the business model thing. So there's two reactions I had when I first saw the story in Road and Track, which is why I put it in the rundown. The first thing is, and let's, let's talk recent history. For, for Bob Lutz to say this when he finally sat in the car is, again, a testament to the well, highest... He didn't sit in the car. He saw the racist. car. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. But the idea is that when you're at the car, when you see it, you have a chance to sit in it, you experience it, and it's wonder. Not some online picture, not some story on Twitter. You actually go see the car for yourself. You have to come away in awe of what the Tesla engineering team, design team, has put together in this vehicle. Um, when you then sit in the car and you drive the car and you feel that sense of euphoria and what it's like to drive an electric vehicle, specifically a Tesla, you all of a sudden, it just washes over you the feeling of where has this been my entire life? So that's the first thing. The second thing is, I find this a little disingenuous because as we all know, it's a great story now by Ian talking about the Volt. 
is General Motors had an electric car years ago, the EV1, and they killed it. The hmm. program was successful. There was no reason to kill it. But Bob Lutz and the people at General Motors decided, you know what? We need to get rid of We're going to kill the program. And they literally were taking the cars back, even with owners not wanting them to, and saying, we're going to get rid of these vehicles. And they just ended up smashing them to smithereens and crushers while people were watching this. And if you haven't seen the documentaries, Who Killed the Electric Car, both the first one and the sequel, are great to watch. Plus, you have Martin Sheen narrating, which is already great on its own. <laughs> But you need to understand that that part of that, for him to look at the Tesla now and go, incredible what these cars are. General Motors could have easily been well ahead of what Tesla's doing today if they hadn't killed the EV1. It is one of the dumbest decisions that an American car manufacturer has ever made, ever, is killing that program. When it was celebrities and other famous people who had the cars on the road were raving how great it was. It was efficient and fast and economical and just disappeared. You also have to remember, though, too, Eric, is that at the time, we're still talking about the early 2000s here before the car Mm -hmm. was killed, that there were a lot of political parties involved that were fighting against the car, um, um, you know, the California Air Resources Board and their mandate to, you know, get the... um, uh, you know, clean up their act as far as the manufacturers. Right. So all the manufacturers were fighting against that. And once it was repealed, because they fought it so hard, mm-hmm. they said, well, there's no more business model, so therefore we'll get all the cars back. So I'm not saying that I'm sticking up for GM because it's easy to say that, but there were other parties involved and stuff that got this. So eventually when the car mandate was actually reinstated around the time that Tesla came about, Tesla was in a very good position to start their business when they did. Now, Tesla's alive because of many other factors um, mm-hmm. even though it's not been easy for them it's been a very hard uphill battle and it still continues to be an uphill battle but as you said you know bob uh you know and even even uh ian said it too that bob basically credits uh tesla for getting their uh, their volt program started up so uh, mm-hmm. again for most of these manufacturers it's still very early days i mean porsche still doesn't have their electric car out as a matter of fact the taken i just saw today looks like it's been delayed until january mm-hmm. Uh, that's right. 2020 so it's it's uh, and largely that's probably because of the audi situation there with the e-tron being recalled because of the battery fires and stuff so i mean there's there's a lot of other factors involved here so um yeah so yeah we'll see what happens but uh it's nice to see that bob is um i don't know coming around well one article does not make a full turnaround yet. Well, Let's he, not but get he, ahead but of he wrote it. That, that, that's his perspective. It's, it's not like it's in, you know, someone else asked him questions. Like it's his op-ed. He certainly wrote his own, his that's own opinion. That's true. And, and what I will say about that is that at least he's seen the product and he has an opportunity to, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's changed his mind about the product itself. Now, he may still yeah. have problems with the business model and that's just, that's his prerogative. He comes from a different business model for many, many years. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't necessarily understand Tesla. But that's a that's a show for another day, I guess. Bail out. I'm sorry. What was that? <laughs> Ooh, burn. Ooh, One burn. last thing I'm going to say about that. There was a really interesting uh, interview. Um, I don't know if you guys ever watched the. Um, I think it's HBO that carries it. Uh, Axios, the uh, mm-hmm. the news. Oh yes. Has now their own uh, 30 minute show. Now, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. you know little five minute stories on whatever's you know the headline of the week type of thing. And the lead story this uh, in this week's episode was uh, an interview with Mary Barra, the CEO of GM. And mm-hmm. he, I, I forget that. 
I, like, okay, I forget the name of the journalist who was there. Um, was one of their tech journalists, and she did you notice in the first three minutes she was just hammering her? Yeah, but what about Tesla? What about Tesla? I mean, can't you credit Tesla because the whole thing was like on autonomous vehicles, the shift oh, yeah, to electric? Yeah, yeah, and it, she was very diplomatic, but you know, you, she you could see she wasn't going to give it a, like an inch of credit. So you know, well, not only that, but the the responses that I mean, like when I heard her responses to questions like as far as the restructuring when they when they had to lay off people and they're going to reassign people, um, it's like your your answer is an ineffective answer because it doesn't justify what you just did to all those families in the area that that rely on that work. And if you're going to say like, well, we're, you know, we're sort of still kind of figuring it out. No, you're not. That's, that's a PR move. That's, you know, we're still trying to figure it out. You're probably not doing anything. You've already made your decision and you're going from there. I know it sounds harsh when you say that maybe I am jumping to conclusions, but the reality is this is not a thing that's like an unplanned reaction. Like this is what happens. And for them to sit there and have this, you know, this, I, it felt like a very smug answer for her to say it. Like, yeah, we're, we're still trying to figure it out. Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> it's just, it's you're rude. not going to, listen, the one thing that I've learned about North American manufacturers is that they're very reticent to give credit to anyone else other than themselves. They have very mm -hmm. much a not invented here syndrome. Um, I mean, what was it? The you know the recent guy at Porsche basically credited Tesla and said, "Yeah, they're doing great things, and it's getting us to move." You'll never hear a manufacturer in North America say something like that because it's an admission of, yeah, well, it, it, it's an admission that they failed. That's remarkable about Bob Lutz for all the horrible things he said about Tesla. He's one of the few that's come forth on a few occasions mm -hmm. and said, "Yeah, they're the ones that shook up the ground and, and made this stuff happen." Yeah, I um, just want I just want these leaders in these companies just be effing honest. Like, yeah. don't worry about your stockholders. Don't worry about just be honest. Like, be honest with people because most of us can see through your BS very yeah. easily. Just be the truthful. The only guy that's honest is Elon. <laughs> yes. Right. But even then, there's also some things I know that Elon doesn't say. Like, he, he sometimes will do something that often comes back with criticism and he may admit, yes, I should have used better judgment, um, which happens, which is good for him to do that. Like, humility is always a good thing. Um, but I also know there's things he doesn't say that he really, really wants to say. No, no. So, no, true. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, we've beaten that one to death. Let's move on. We got to talk about Model 3 maintenance. Uh, this article comes to our, uh, from us from our good friends at Clean Technica. Um, Model 3 maintenance guide costs are even lower than I thought. Now, this is an article written by Paul Foss or Fossey. I'm, I'm sorry if I mispronounce his name. Um, basically, they're taking some of the information that's on Tesla's website here as far as car maintenance, and I'm not going to bore you to death with what Tesla says, but he puts it in a little chart here and uh, basically uh, lays it out as far as what the old recommendation was as far as the new recommendation was. So tire rotation alignment balancing used to be 6,250 miles. Now Tesla recommends every uh, 10,000 to 12,000 miles, $40 cost on average. Cabin air filter every two years. Now it's every two years, unchanged, 34 bucks. Brake fluid every two years. Now they say test every two years, replace as needed. Uh, cost anywhere from 80 to 100 bucks to get that done. Windshield wipers, every two years if premium, same, unchanged, $63 for premium. I don't know what the heck that means. Um, my Model X is a year and a half old. I should change the wiper blades. I can only get them from Tesla. Uh, I was mentioning to Eric before the show, the wiper blades on the Model X, the wiper fluid actually comes out of the blade itself, has little perforations. I can only get it from Tesla. Boo. So in, in, in his story here, we mentioned premium blades. Those are blades that last two years. 
Okay. So well, rather than so in like in Florida, we typically replace our wiper blades once a year just because of the heat does wear down oh, yeah, the rubber destroys them. Yeah. Right. So in in those blades that he put in his car, they're actually a more durable blade, a different a higher grade material, and they last uh, two years. Okay. Hence premium. So they go on to say AC service every two years. Now the recommendation is every six years. I know there's been a lot of talk even recently. Our good friend Michael Bodner even posted on uh, Twitter today that he's getting a funny smell from his AC unit. Uh, a few other people have popped up said the same thing. Um, seems that uh, there's possibly a software update that's coming uh, from Tesla to help with this. Um, you know, AC units, there's moisture. If you let it sit for a amount of time, it's, you know, there's a possibility of building up mold. Of course, mold will end up smelling and stuff. It's fairly common. Um, it wouldn't surprise me the software update, as soon as you turn off the AC, lets the blower run for a little bit more, maybe help dry out yeah. the element. I noticed in my car recently, just recently, if you turned on the AC, I'm getting a little bit of a smell. So for me, that's usually an indicator after a year and a half to two years, you need to change the cabin filter anyway. So it's not a flaw in the car. It's just kind of happens what it is. I think at 10 months for some people having the car, maybe it's a little bit too soon. But again, your results may vary depending where you live, right? Um, anyways, it's pretty good uh, information on here. I'll put a link in the uh, video in the podcast description. You guys can um, can check it out. Uh, let's go on here. We can need to talk about the, uh, again, from Clean Technica, another article talking about, and then we're going to gloss over this a little bit because it's very technical, uh, mm -hmm. talking about Tesla's new hardware three or what Tesla's calling the full self-driving computer. Um, again, I'm going to put a link in the video in the podcast description. You guys can read it. It's quite technical for those of you in the computer industry. You might really enjoy this, but it goes into quite deep, um, uh, dive into you know how the memory's laid out, the chips, uh, who's making what, processor die sizes. Um, again, processor die sizes change over time. The smaller you can make it, the faster you can put things onto the chip, or uh, the faster you can make the chips run. Um, the modern phones are running on a very small process, but again, this project was started three years ago when the processes weren't exactly where they are today. Anyways, um, even at the autonomy date, um, Elon said that they are currently working on the next generation. So anyways, it's a pretty neat read if you're into this kind of thing. Definitely want to check it out. It's fairly long. They even go into talking about what happened with uh, where NVIDIA stands at this particular point. Uh, because uh, for any of us who have a hardware 2.5 computer, which is basically all Model 3s and uh, Model S's and X's made over the last uh, three-ish, two and a half to three years, um, that's the NVIDIA hardware suite. That's the Drive PX2 computer system. Reference design, Tesla makes their own boards. It's not exactly a Tesla, or a NVIDIA board on there, but it's all NVIDIA chips. So anyways, good read. Um, any thoughts on this, guys, before we move on? I didn't want to bore people to death with all this stuff, but it's no, a good no, read. I, I, thought we'd put it I saw this. I read the story, and some of the technical jargon sort of even goes over my head. <laughs> but I, but I, but to see their data points, to see the test they did, to uh, essentially find out that, as they termed it, it's a beast, uh, is sort of indicative of what to expect with this computer, which you mentioned Autonomy Day. We got a good overview about all of that technology in the computer uh, during that presentation uh, a few weeks ago. So to see the Clean Technica guys take a deeper dive to get more into the data uh, of that presentation, I think is a really worthwhile read for those who are into that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I'm sure people are probably going to put something in the comments. When can we expect the computers to be upgraded? Again, we don't have that information yet. 
Tesla's still ramping up production and putting these into cars at this point. They're in full swing. Um, the upgrade is not a priority at this point because, as far as we know, the software is not even 100% optimized for it yet. Eventually, when it will, um, you know, if you've paid for the FSD upgrade like myself, uh, I'm sure you'll get a phone call from Tesla Service. Your name's on file. They they know who you are. When the time comes, they, <laughs> they will contact you. We'll call you. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's talk about Norway. Norway, Norway. Of course, if if you haven't, if you've been living under a rock, you know that's the largest per capita of EVs in the world. Well, there's some other information that's just come out recently. Wow, Subaru sales. This is um, a tweet by Tesla driver. Norway Subaru sales are plummeting. They're down 66 percent in 2019 due to a quote lack of EVs. No surprise there. Mazda down 45 uh, percent in the last three years. No surprise there. Again, no EVs. Although they did announce they're going to do something yeah. typical with a uh, new manufacturer when you come with one new design, it's not going to be very compelling. So at least they're doing something. I was really starting to wonder about Mazda there for a while. Ford sales are down 10, uh, 50% in the last 10 years. That's striking. Mm -hmm. uh, Tesla, uh, you know, obviously to the top of the sales statistics after uh, trebling sales in 2019. I think he meant tripling sales. I don't know. Um, anyways, thoughts on this, guys? I mean, Norway is doing fantastic. But uh, the writing's on the wall. If, if, if you have a mandate in your government or in your populace to switch to EVs and you don't have anything compelling, this is the result. This is what happens. Yeah, that's going to become the roadmap, I think, for pretty much every region is you're going to kind of have to watch what's, what's going on over there. Um, obviously, they have a really, really strong incentive program. They were they have the earliest mandate to go EV only, right? 2025 is the deadline. After that, mm -hmm. uh, ICE is no longer available for sale. So uh, they're going is harder than anybody else on Earth at this point. You know, kudos to them. The simple thing really is that because of their their ability to sell oil, uh, and essentially get, use that money for subsidizing uh, their electric vehicles, that was a good thing. That actually is what helped get them on the market so quickly. And for the population to sort of go, free money, okay. And, you know, they made it an incentive. They actually, the government chose to uh, electrify the country in ways that no one else, I think, on Earth has even come close to doing it the way they've done it. Um, there was a video uh, that came out a couple of years ago that Vox produced uh, that I recently retweeted, uh, and actually I think it was like two years to the day uh, that the video came out that I tweeted it, and it was about their infrastructure with electric vehicles, and it was interesting to hear uh, Johnny from Vox talk to people who live there, sort of explain how it became such a big deal, uh, and how it, it became such a widespread successful program. And that's in large part because their government made it a, a number one priority. So we, we see all across the world when there are programs, and California is great at this. I mean, we know we mentioned earlier about the CARB program, and when they decided to make it uh, easier to get a clean air, part of it was, well, we're going to have to give people credits for, for getting cars. Uh, so when the federal government started having the EV tax credit, reminder, July 1st, the brakes go down. Um, <laughs> when, when, we, when we had the tax credit, that started, you started seeing the numbers of EV sales and all manufacturers go up really quickly. Uh, so people people appreciate that. People like it when the government says, we identify that there's a need, we're going to invest in that need to make it easier for people to make the change, to switch over to that, uh, which is why you'd want to see more programs for solar on houses, why you want to see more uh, opportunities for wind turbines, why you want to see more for um, uh, hydro solutions, 
I mean, there's 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 opportunities there. The the STEM field is just loaded with programs and designers and engineers and scientists all trying to do their part to make this easier. Well, dang it, governments, if you're listening, then, you know, make sure you're actually talking to them, scheduling meetings and hearings and whatever, and find out where the money can come from to make sure this stuff happens because people will adopt change if they're given an incentive to do it. I know it sounds terrible and doesn't have to always be monetarily, but if we actually put these things forward, things can actually happen. And Norway is a prime example of what can happen uh, when there's investments made in the people. Mm-hmm. Agreed. They're doing well. Mm-hmm. All right, it's time to move on. We need to talk about uh, the Gigafactory 3 in China. Now, this uh, latest article comes from uh, Tesla Roddy, our good friend uh, Simon Alvarez, very good writer over there. Uh, there's some developments that are happening in China. It looks like China, uh, Tesla in China has uh, purchased, um, local purchase and finance department has struck a deal with prominent financial institution Budong uh, Development Bank. Now, it's not the first time they've used them. Um, under the agreement, would-be electric uh, car buyers would be able to purchase a Tesla with 0% interest for 60 months on selected models. No indication as to which cars it would be. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time, again, Tesla's worked with them before in, uh, on securing a low-interest loans for the initial bill of Gigafactory 3. So that looks really good for the Chinese market because um, they need to make it very attainable because, of course, the um, the wages aren't exactly the same as the rest of the world, which is, again, one of the reasons Tesla's going to be building a, a China-specific Model 3. Uh, what that encompasses, we don't know yet. Um, the other part, too, is uh, uh, the Gigafactory 3 has uh, completed its Phase 1 build-out, which is the actual shell of the... Um, of the factory, and uh, the workers are now focusing on installing the equipment inside the uh, facility. So uh, we should be able to find out some more information in the next uh, upcoming months. I mean, Elon even said so during the um, uh, shareholder meeting that uh, they've actually started installing presses and some of the um, uh, production line equipment, and he even mentioned cell production, if I remember correctly. So again, this factory is designed to not only build cars, but cells. They did say eventually, but he mentioned in the shareholder meeting that there's potential for them to be doing sale, uh, the cell, actually. Um, let me see here. What else are they saying here? As of, um, as of June 18th in 2019, Tesla China's featured listings for software engineers, IT professionals, body and white specialists, training personnel, to name a few. Um, and they held a uh, job hiring sessions at the company over the last several months. So there's been a lot of people who've been um, going down for that, trying to get jobs and stuff. So looks like this thing is 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 still on track at this point. Hopefully they're not going to be having any delays. Um, they did say I think they were looking at trying to start production somewhere around the September time frame. So keep that with a grain of salt. You never know how these things kind of go. But uh, yeah, pretty impressive. And, and of course we'll put a link in the video description. You wanted to check out one of the latest. Uh, let me see here. It's a drone flyover dated as of June 15th and uh, still looking really good with these guys. Any thoughts on this? I mean, they're moving. They're chooching along really well on this thing. Yeah. yeah. I, if they actually start building cars in September, oh, my God, that'd be incredible. I, well, I was thinking like end of the year would be really impressive. But September would be mind-blowing. Well, you know what? When they say building cars, I'm, I'm sure it's just a pilot production. Yeah. First handful, just to test things out. I don't out. care. Anything rolls out of the factory. I'm right. Denver, I'm amazed personally. Yeah, but like I doubt this those time a month different. ago, there were still like shells of the building. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it, it seems like only you know, a couple of months ago we're still looking at you know there was there was whatever it was there you know mud gate or whatever we wanted to call it there puddle gate. You know, it's like. <laughs> 
if you want to put this in context, imagine you you buy a house from a developer and it's not even built yet. You're like, hey, we're going to build the house. You design it. You're like, okay, fantastic. And they you make the deal now. And they go, on July 1st, we're going to break down. We're going to lay the foundation. And then they call you on July 9th and say, you ready to move in? That's what this feels like. Are you kidding me? This is crazy. My first house, and we're just talking a house, took four months to build. (laughs) Wow. And they built this facility. How many square feet is this The nails were imported. It took a while to get the nails in. And the wood was special refurbished wood. And, you know, it's a process. It takes, you know, beavers had to gnaw the stuff little by little to get it. It takes a while. I mean, God, Canada's not No, I think it's more like construction workers, you know, the road work guys. You know, one guy doing the work and 15 guys standing around drinking coffee. That's right. All the supervisors and one worker. Except in China, all the workers have a job and they're all working their butts off. So that's the difference. Big time. <laughs> all right. Let's move on here. Is Elon going to consider giving free FSD in a referral program? Well, that's what somebody posited, of course, from Do Australia. It. Tech AU said, Elon, I have nine Tesla referrals. If I can get 10, would you unlock FSD for me? Could be um, about a million dollars Australian in, in revenue. FSD costs $8,500. Elon said, will consider so i want your thoughts on this (laughs) um i have more than nine referrals without advertising my referral code but it's not like i can use it or anything like that but um i don't know would you guys take fsd as a as a referral reward yes would you had i not bought it i would have um yes yes yeah sure i wouldn't yes yes crazy not to As opposed to a jacket, you'd rather have that rather than a jacket or some luggage or something? Well, I'm not, listen, I'm willing to bet you have to have a certain number of referrals before you get FSD. I mean, the, the Twitter question was, I have, I think, was it nine? He said nine, if hits, but if, if I get to 10. Right, if, if he hits 10, can he get free FSD? Um, I, I, think, I think it's a good incentive if they do it um, because we're, we just got asked now, for example, the hardware question. Well, if, you're, if you already have a vehicle that has the hardware, if you already have the, uh, the HW3, then okay, it's just a matter of just getting the software on your car. If you are like myself, who needs to get the hardware uh, added because I got my car delivered before hardware three was installed, then okay, you do the hardware switch, you you know get the software and you're good to go. Um, it, it's I think it's great. I honestly, honestly, I would rather have FSD than the chance to win a Model Y. Me. It, it, and mind you, it'd be great if they had some inkling like that of the referral program where you get to choose which one you want. Because um, before, for example, you could choose between the uh, wall connector and something else. You could choose between the tires. and this. So like, yeah. it'd be nice to, if, that, if that was a thing like, hey, you reach 10, what do you want? Do you want X amount of money down towards the Model Y or would you want to get the FSD? And now we're talking. That's, that would be a good thing the way to do it i would tend to agree with that i think that would make a very good prize for 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 people right now there are really there are no prizes really just to speak of and yeah part of the prize situation though especially from my experience with the last referral program is that um it seemed to be i mean it was devolving into this whole thing i mean part of it was how the program was structured but it really devolved in people not wanting to do any work to get referrals all they wanted to do was get prizes so I understand where they went with the new program mm-hmm. and try to reduce the amount of physical things you could actually win. And going yeah. to a draw and stuff makes a little bit more sense and stuff. I mean, yeah, okay, we've had that discussion before as far as sustainability is concerned and stuff. But hey, and I'm and I'm I'm a simple person. The fact that I'm getting a thousand miles uh, for every referral I get that converts into an order that's amazing. Like I don't supercharge a lot. I I don't have the opportunity to take a lot of road trips. But just the idea that even like now when I'm 
you know, leaving work, I'm like, I have to charge my car. Oh, let me just swing by the supercharger near my home. I'll get a quick hundred and whatever miles and keep going and I'm not paying for it. That's a nice perk for, for someone like me. Um, but if you then say, hey, if you have enough referrals, you can get FSD. It, it will, I will still not change the way I promote my referral code, which is if you use it, great. Thanks a lot. I hope that we're able to educate you on getting your car. Uh, but if I don't ever come close to it, that's okay too. But if I do, it'd be like, Hey, how about that? I might, my car could then drive itself, which only then increases the value of the car whenever you do get that benefit. So, uh, you know, if, if they just add that one thing to the referral program, maybe, maybe at some point the, the supercharger miles goes away. If that's the only target you then have, why not? Why not make that a goal for somebody? I would agree. I think it's. Uh, I think it would be a good price. So yeah. Anyways, we'll keep an eye on that. If uh, I mean, obviously the the program's going to run. Oh, do we even know when the program ends right now? Does anybody know? I don't know if it's going to end as it currently stands. We know we had the recent promo back in May for yeah. the five thousand supercharging miles. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't. I don't know if there's a a a, a, a deadline date for the uh, the thousand. Yeah, I'll, I'll double check. Anyways, Ian, how are you feeling? Are the drugs wearing off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very sore here, let me tell you. Well, that's good because I need your opinion. Let's talk about truck law. If you guys have not seen this, okay, so listen. Simone Gertz has just won the internet as far as I'm concerned. Yesterday, she released a video entitled, I Turned My Tesla Into a Pickup Truck. Now, for those of you who don't know, Simone has a YouTube channel. She's quite popular. And and I have to apologize for the language here, but she uh, she calls herself... The queen of shitty robots. <laughs> She's quite funny. Um, yeah. She bought a what appears to be a standard range Model Three or a SR Plus. Don't know exactly. She didn't really disclose it. <laughs> and she proceeds. And I'm not going to show the whole video here. I'll put a link in the video description. You guys can check it out. But anyways, she takes uh, ten days and converts her poor little Model Three into this pickup truck. And What's, this video just went bananas on the internet. It's actually, and they, uh, the other part of the video too, uh, I'll just pause it here for a minute here. Let's talk about this video. They even did an ad, a fake ad, you know, truck love, available nowhere type of thing. Elon even liked the video. I saw it on Twitter. So I want your thoughts on this. I mean, it really takes a big set of brass ones. <laughs> they take this guy, I mean, six minutes in, she keys the back trunk and writes truck on the back i mean there's no returning back when you're doing that and then she proceeds to start cutting into the car so oh my gosh i mean epic absolutely epic i mean i it caught me so it just blindsided me when i saw it you know it was like after you tweeted it out i was like what the hell is (laughs) this what like well this is a whole new level for simone like i i, I always thought she's just such an adorable person I she mean, is. You, might, you might find a lot of her projects dumb but i mean you can't but not love love the girl she's so just energetic and feisty and tells it like it is and um she's a really interesting character so for her to up and do this um i i thought was fantastic and one of the things uh, just just to jump forward a bit as um, i saw a, a little clip from an interview where she says outright, she says, you know, like, this is this is our generation. She says, there's there's nobody in my generation that wants is interested in driving, you know, a gasoline car anymore. We want EVs and we want all the choices. And this is for her was an imperative. She needs a real serious utility vehicle. So it's like, well, I can't wait. I want it now. I'm going to make one. Let's just do it. 
So she pulls together a really cool crew. I would call them kind of like the Ocean's Eleven of like hacking that's a good Tesla. Way to put it. Yeah, that's that's what it looked like. That crew, you know, everybody coming in to do their little specialty. So uh, definitely worth watching the video. The outcome of it, I mean, um, aesthetically, it's better than I would have expected. At first, I was like, oh, my God, this this could go horribly wrong. The lines kind of work reasonably well. I mean, if you gave me the magic wand to touch it up, I would have maybe curved back, you know, like where the, the back of the roof curves back down into that straight sort of rear window. I would have tapered that a little. It's a very sharp 90-degree angle right now. And the window trim is kind of like, but I'm getting really nitpicky here. Overall, but the... <laughs> The shape well, they, works well. I mean, they kept like sort of the you know the, the the glass line where it sort of goes into the hips of the rear fenders and all that kind. Of, it all works, and even where the tailgate kind of stops, it it just seems natural. Mm-hmm. It, it amazingly worked out better than I would have expected. As I mentioned to you before the show started, when we were just talking, it reminds me of the Subaru Brat. I yeah. don't know how many of you guys seen that, but just kind of like a smallish. Really yeah. smallish pickup truck with a you know small. How cool would it be to have those two reverse facing seats, you know, bolted yeah. up against the um, the back of the cab, you know, like the Brat used to have? That actually is not a bad idea. Yeah, I think they pulled it off, and it also answers the question too. Now, if you guys watch the Joe Rogan pod- uh, podcast like I do, he had Rich Pranois who runs the YouTube channel there, Rich Rebuilds. He said that, oh, I'm in California, and I'm working on a secret project. Well. This is exactly what it was. So apparently she had him come down to help him out with uh, with the process and stuff. So, um, yeah, not much of him in the video, but, uh, yeah, they they went to town. Apparently they only had 10 days uh, because they had scheduled a production company to help them film this fake ad to help promote it. Uh, so they were under the gun. She also says uh, towards the end of the video that uh, it's not a finished project yet. Uh, there's still a lot of rough corners that they want to finish up and stuff. So the car was just basically finished just well enough to be able to do the commercial. But I'm sure over time that they will, um, you know, repaint the car properly, make it look even better, take it around. I think it's I think it's interesting um, that somebody with, oh, my God, the video has almost 3 million views already. <laughs> oh, no, that's just the ad. Sorry, how okay. much is uh, I'm just gonna can I make there. a can I make a really bad pun here? Oh, of course, Eric, you're the you're the, you're the king of puns. Two and a half so million views. <laughs> so it's a it's a it's a truck now, right? But she calls so, it a truckla. Right? Are they gonna add testicles? Oh dear. Oh. Lord. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. so here, here's, right. here's my thought. That's so not I, the show. That's not the show title. That's not the show title. <laughs> no, 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 no. We already had the show title picked out. Go for it, Eric. So here, here are the two things. Actually, three things. The three things I thought. One was when she started scratching the back of the trunk. I'm like, oh, God, no. Uh-huh. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. no. Because, you know, it's a gorgeous Model 3, and we're like, we're going to cut the hell out of this car. So my, my first reaction was just to kind of shiver in my, in my seat. Uh, the second thing I kind of came impressed with was just how intricate they were about taking everything apart very carefully. Like, even though you're going to basically chop this car up, for the most part, they were making sure they're taking the They weren't like kicking the seats out. Like they were very, you know, genuinely uh, uh, soft and, and handling everything with care. The third thing was just, I was very impressed with how fast it all came together. Because the reality is to do that kind of work, like you said, when they had 10 days to basically just get the car cut, design cut the whole thing. And I don't, you know, we don't obviously know how long it was. We only saw like a few seconds of them in the video where they have the various designs laid out on the table and they're sort of having discussions. Like how long did it take to 
imagine it, render it, sketch it, discuss it. Like you had like so that, much dialogue could happen before yeah. that, before you can even just start cutting into the car because you have to know exactly where it's going to fit. There's how quite the a bit of disassembly first because you need to well, know where all the wires are, safety right, systems. Right. So, I, so year, it's a year ahead. I, what, I, what I heard, Eric, she said so, at some point I saw that it was like it was a planned a year out. So there, that's part of the answer to your question. So quite a bit. Saying, but like that, that's that's all the more impressive. It took that long. Uh, to do that, I mean, I mean, to say that you've wanted to have this come from your car is already co- good enough. Um, you know, to to have the car there, I'm like, oh, she's in, it's, what, what I f- also a little bit sadistic when she was in the driver's seat and she had like the seat was taken out and she's like in there and she kind of looks it. over at the camera and she's like, <laughs> she just had this look of evil, like we're gonna really shred this car. <laughs> but no, it was uh, it was it's it's impressive. I wouldn't do it. I to me, it doesn't oh. look like something I ever want. Um, but it's her design, and it, it's it's you cannot be impressed with that. It really, really is impressive. Well, all I have to say is congratulations, Simone, for for winning the internet on that yeah. one. Oh yes, yeah. It was it was lovely. <laughs> you we're, know what? We're, 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 regardless of you know how much it costs or what the process was, this video going viral like this just gets Tesla into more eyeballs out there this thing goes crazy i mean i'm sure a lot of people says what is this thing a tesla go, oh my god what did they do so anyways it's it's good for the brand no matter which way you look at it even if you tear a car yeah. apart don't care so my, my parting comment on it is i the only i think truckla is cool obviously it ties in with tesla but i really would have liked to have seen it named uh, named the ev camino ev camino fine lab has a line of protective coatings that were engineered to protect your tesla's paint leather carpet plastic and wheels effectively blocking all those uv rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby fine lab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating check us out at finelab.com that's spelled f-e-y-n-l-a-b to see the science behind the self-healing check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area Fine Lab and Tesla. We were meant for each other. Okay, well, that's what we have for articles this week. Uh, we're going to take a little time here and answer our viewer and podcast listener questions. Um, the first one that's um, I think we want to answer here is just outside of the things here. Oh, by the way, um, for those of you who want to submit questions, always look for the day or the day before we do the podcast. On Twitter, we put out a Google form that you can fill out to uh, send in your questions. So make sure you follow me on on Twitter, the handle's Model3Owners, or you can check out uh, any of the other two guys there, EC Fix or Ian Pavelko on Twitter. They tend to retweet the, the same thing, but, uh, you know. Yeah, so do that, and then that way you guys can submit your uh, questions when you want. Anyway, so the first question comes from someone, and we don't have a source for this, but someone was asking um, online, can you lift up one side of a Model 3 from a single jack? Yes, you can. Um, the guys on, uh, on Ro- uh, actually on CNET, uh, did a really interesting video. They do a little ride along. The video is about four minutes long. I'll put a link in the video description. You guys can check it out. Um, where they go and service, or they show the process of mobile service with Tesla and taking it out. Anyways, I'm going to just show you a little cr- uh, quick screen grab, and you guys can see here that uh, the mobile service technician definitely has both sides of a Model 3 lifted up with two very heavy duty jacks. So just make sure you use the pucks or something like that. Center it properly, depending on what kind of jack you have, so you don't damage your battery pack because that's major league expensive to fix, right? I just want to point out one specific thing is they do use the rear jack point. So if you're going to jack up the whole car just with one jack from one side, which is obviously the super easiest way to do a tire rotation, uh, use the rear one because the car is heavier in the rear. 
And uh, one of the reasons you can do that is because if you um, listen to the Sandy Monroe uh, interviews when he taught, and he's doing the disassembly of the car and the analysis of the structure, one thing that struck me is he says they way over-engineered the chassis in this car. Its torsional rigidity is apparently like way, way, way too high. Like he says they could have cut two, 300 pounds out of this car, but they literally built it so if you took the battery pack out, it would still pass all the side impact tests. I mean, the thing's mm. built like a tank, so like, don't worry about jacking it up from the one jack point. You are not going to twist this car. Okay. All right, next question. Actually, uh, so the first question that comes from our forum submission here comes from Phil. He says, um, how do you expect more gigafactories across the world to impact delivery times and Tesla's pricing? I'll begin. Go do it. Um, well, the whole point, if you look at any other manufacturer, they have more than one factory, and they build cars locally for different places. Um, largely, that's for <laughs> efficiencies of getting the cost down into jurisdiction. Uh, honestly, Tesla started building their factory or out of their factory in California because that's all they had at the time. Logistically, it's a nightmare to send cars halfway around the world to, to deliver in other countries from one factory. So obviously, they have to build other factories. So building in China and eventually one in Europe and maybe another one in North America in due time um, reduces, significantly reduces those delivery times, of course, because it takes right now, what does it take to send to England? Uh, like a month now on a ship, pretty much, give yeah. or take. So, and of course, you know, we, the way Tesla reports their earnings, it's that it's only when the car is delivered and signed for and they get the check in hand, right? It's not when it leaves the factory. So yeah, they want to realize those profits as soon as possible. So part of that is being able to deliver the cars faster. Now, as far as pricing is concerned, yeah, um, it reduces tariffs and stuff. Uh, we already know that in China, they want to build cars uh, over there because right now they have to pay anywhere from, what is it, 15 to 40% import duties and taxes and tariffs and all the other stuff. So you can eliminate most of that stuff. keeps the car down. I know for, I mean, if we had a Tesla factory in Canada, uh, the cars would not cost th almost 40% more than they do today. So, um, I mean, Canada has lots of car factories and they all go down to the States for the most part and they're all built up here too. So, I mean, but they have the cost advantages, of course, with the exchange rate, but it's not always like that. But anyways, I hope that answers your question. Phil, uh, next question comes from Darren. He says, in uh, Model 3 currently, do you have to be in autopilot mode for the autonomous software to kick in to try and avoid a collision? Who wants to answer that one? Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's pretty much the answer to it. Yeah, you, you have to be in uh, in autopilot, uh, at least base autopilot or EAP, one of the two, in order for it, because otherwise it's, it's not going to do anything. It's not going to react. You, you're Anytime you're not in autopilot, you are in control of the steering. You're responsible. You will have... Um, the emergency braking can kick yes, in. Right. That's really the that. only. That's the only safety feature that's going to come in, regardless of whatever you're you're driving, whatever mode you're right. in. Yeah, the one feature I don't have in my car yet because it's still a Model Three exclusive is the lane emergency lane departure avoidance mm -hmm. at auto. I I still don't have that yet, so okay. I have to check my phone to see if there's a software update waiting for me. But whatever. <laughs> Okay, next question comes from Pedro. He says, regarding the Model S and X redesign, uh, how will this impact sales if uh, if there will not be much differentiation between SX uh, and Model 3 and Y, except the interior room maybe? Does the Roadster have a, uh, a role here? Okay. All right, we've kind of been avoiding the uh, big elephant in the room for some time now. Um, I was a bit loath to talk about this rumor that's been going around. Look, I mean... You know how it is, right? Where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, we could probably talk about this now because we're almost at the end of a quarter. So hopefully what we talk about won't impact Tesla sales and deliveries. Um, 
my personal opinion is that it's high time that we see uh, at least an interior refresh on the S, possibly the X. Um, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see where Tesla is going as far as their interiors are concerned. Model 3 showed us what they were going through. It was confirmed with the semi-truck. The Roadster is a different animal altogether. We'll kind of ignore that. Um, last year, Electric had an article where they had some leaks, some potential design leaks of the interior. And it certainly showed that you know the screen's going horizontal. Um, they did show at the time that the instrument cluster that's still in the SNX is still there, but it's buried a little deeper. We don't know if they're going to eliminate that. But anyways, the bottom line is that they have to update the interior on this car. It's long in the tooth as far as that's concerned. So how will this uh, differentiation, uh, I mean, I'm assuming at this point he's asking as far as the design is concerned. I think what's going to happen with these cars is we're going to see better quality materials because that's the main differentiator as far as that's concerned. So let's say, for example, um, you know, the, the seats in the X, I'll tell you right now, from personal experience, they are, I mean, don't get me wrong, the seats in the Model 3 are excellent, but the seats in the Model X are even better. So things like that will help. Um, what if they were to take the screen on the S and the X and make it 17 inches, but of course they're going to put it horizontal. What if they got rid of the bezel around the S, so they go almost edge to edge? That's a common thing on phones, right? We all see that now today. So the little things like that, um, you know, the S and the X, you can still get it with an Alcantara headliner. So little things like that would certainly help. Um, now, I don't understand the question with the Roadster have to play in there, other than the fact that uh, the rumor going around is that the SNX may gain uh, a three-motor setup rather than the usual two. So two in the back, one in the front. That's directly pulled from learnings, of course, that they've done with the, with the Roadster because it has three motors as well. Probably not exactly the same Roadster motors, but, uh, I mean, taking... <laughs> You know, keeping that PMAG motor in the front, that makes obvious sense. Um, putting two motors in the back, is that possible? Well, you know, they probably have to redesign some of the drivetrain to, to be able to handle that too. And, of course, the other rumor is uh, potential of a 400-mile battery pack on the S and the X. Now, as far as cells are concerned, we don't know what they're going to be doing with that. Um, Elon alluded to it at the shareholder meeting. says, won't be too long before we see a 400-mile car. And So I think... I think, like I said, where there's smoke, there's fire. But any kind of changes and stuff won't happen until at least the third quarter because, you know, you don't want to ruin what you're doing now. The other evidence, too, of course, is low inventories. Right now, there's hardly anything to buy um, as far as inventories are concerned. They're trying to clear that stuff out, as they are want to do always at the end of a quarter. Um, so if you're looking for a car, <laughs> now's a good time to get some of those things. But... The other part that perturbs me, though, too, is like how much are they going to change in the drivetrain given that they just did a refresh on the S and X, right? So yeah, they updated I, I the thought... motors in the front. They went to the updated. I mean, the suspension is kind of a little thing like that, but they just updated the motors. So I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, just uh, exactly what you just said, Trev. I mean, we just got the PMAG motor up front uh, on those cars. Well, that, I don't think that's going away. I mean, if they're going to update oh. something, they're going to add two motors in the back and then right. keep the PMAG up front. Oh, okay. So if you know if the, if the front subframe and all that stuff, you that's know, done. You're not going to change that again, right? So maybe that's phase one of the update, and phase two is they're going to do. Okay. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see three three different P mags in in the car. You know, or <laughs> who knows? I mean, I don't know what the configuration is going to be. The one thing I'm curious about is if they do any kind of exterior touches to the car. I had been told some time ago last year that one of the bits that was running around and i think i mentioned this on the show before is that there were going to be some changes to the taillights uh, area um mm -hmm. on the model s now 
why would they change the taillights? Well, if you look at what they did with Model 3, of course, we got a larger charge flap than the S and the X. I mean, the S and the X is only about this big, right? Um, and largely, you got to look at what they decided to do for the European market, which is a CCS plug, much larger than the Tesla one. So obviously, you need a bigger flap to do that. So if they're going to change anything on the headlights, or, or, or I should say the taillights on the S, it would make sense that they would do that maybe to add a CCS plug there, maybe for the European market. We know the Chinese market has that weird GB plug, which is proprietary to them. they got this big flap or the door mm -hmm. on this, uh, like a, like it looks like a the gas, gas cap. Yeah, the gas door. I'm sure that drives Tesla engineers crazy. <laughs> the designers, I'm sure they just cringed their teeth the whole time doing that. So it, it would make sense for me that they would do that and just, you know, put everything in the taillight where it belongs in the first place, redesign the taillights, make them bigger so you can hide that charge port in the back. Handle CCS, handle the GB plug, so that kills a whole bunch of birds at one stone. How much of the rest of the car are they going to touch? Je ne sais pas. Any other thoughts? Yes, I have plenty. Yay! Okay, All right. give it to us. So, so the answer to the question, which we sort of kind of lost sight of, sorry about that, is I I think it's going to actually improve their sales. So here's here's the thing oh, I can yes. I can tell you. Right. So here's here's two things about this. The first, because I like doing things in sets of numbers. The first is that there are a lot of legacy owners that are probably thinking of either their leases ending or uh, they may decide, you know what, it's time to upgrade the car. We put a lot of mileage I, on it. I know that for a fact. And there, there may be enough changes to them go from, because like, look, if you, if you have someone who says they have a, um, let's say a, a Model S 85, okay? Then you're gonna go, okay, so there's certain things about the car that are a little bit dated. Maybe they don't have a center console, whatever. Um, but they look at the Model S now 75 and they go, okay, you know what? The cars are relatively similar. It's not worth changing. I don't want to take on more payments, whatever. But then you go, oh, but wait. Wait till we have see what we have for you. And they have this other version that comes out that you're describing. Let's say it is a majority of those, of those new editions. And now they're seeing drastically improved car. And they may decide to go, you know what, let's just get whatever value we can get from this car now, and let's go ahead and, and get that. So it, it does stand to reason that um, that's the first thing that's going to benefit, is that a lot of people are going to want to upgrade their cars. The second thing I think about is that for a lot of people who are looking at Tesla for the first time, when they see that much stuff, they might be thinking to themselves, wow. That's that's impressive. It's 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 beautiful. It's amazing. Look at the feel of the seat and look at. I mean, a lot of folks when they sit in a Model X for the first time, their reaction is like, "Look at this glass. Yeah. You know, look at these doors." Now add to that some of the amenities and features um, inside of that. So I I think I think it's going to be really be a, a big boost for them. I don't think it's going to hurt sales in any way. Um, if anything, it's also a good precursor what happens when Model Y finally comes out. Because that's also going to be a very big change to what there is. And it's also possible some of the elements we see in SX, if there's a refresh this year, if some of those elements end up being in the Model Y interior uh, to some extent before it comes out in production. So, so yeah, I, I, I think it's great for us to speculate is good because it gets the conversation started. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't uh, I don't say anything bad coming from it. And, the, again, the question is, are sales going to improve? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, they need to. Well, yep. they're down about mm -hmm. 20%. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's not, in the grand scheme of things, uh, traditionally around the third quarter is when people are buying cars. So to see this little dip to be able to pick up again, it makes perfect sense. If you look at all, you know, everything being equal, if you take everything into account, this is mm -hmm. the time to do it. 
So yeah. we'll see. Um, Which also, answer- by the way, one, one quick thing. If they also yeah. do that, then the tax credit phases out for U.S. Tesla owners this year. So yeah. that can also be a, a lasting push. But exactly. Okay. All right, moving along here. Uh, Pedro actually sent us in a second question. We'll try and answer it very quickly. He says, how could Tesla organize the assembly lines in order to allow redesigns and still allow for production? On that note, could the Y be assembled on the Model 3 line? While we know that Tesla is in the midst of doing some reorganization at the factory, I mean, lots of people tried to tour the factory and, uh, you know, back and forth. Yes, you can, but there's certain areas that are closed off and stuff. So uh, whenever Tesla has change things in the production line or pause the factory it's because they're doing some updates as far as the production line is concerned the way i could see it is probably more amalgamation of the s and x lines they some of this some of the parts on the s and the x lines are actually shared I've seen it personally um they could probably do some more combinations as far as that's concerned we talked on the podcast before as far as model y is concerned that it could very much be assembled on at least final assembly body lines a little different as far as you know the actual build process but the final assembly there's no reason that couldn't be put on the same line as the model 3 s and x's share a lot of that stuff at the same time too so um any other thoughts no yeah no i, I totally agree with you as a matter of fact until they announced that they were going to use that um that one giant aluminum subsection for the rear flooring of the Y, I would have thought the platforms are going to be damn near identical. Based on some of the information we exchanged recently, the like some of the suspension components might be slightly different, mm-hmm. but that's minor. I mean, you know, the stuff still bolts into the same place. So um, even, mm-hmm. even with that different, you know, tail flooring, it doesn't preclude the fact that they could roll down the same line and have, you know, so many of the same parts bolted in. Mm-hmm. Okay, next question comes from Steve. He says, what game controller can be used uh, with the different versions of the MCU and car model? Well, that's a really good question. I have tried several different, um, two different controllers, several, two. Um, I have an Xbox controller, and this past weekend, a friend of mine came by, and he had what looked like a PS2-type controller, USB, plugged it into my car. Nada. I can't get a controller to work in my car. I don't know if that's an X thing, or it's my software, or maybe I'm doing it wrong. I don't play the games really enough to warrant that. Has uh, Have either of you tried a, a USB controller of any sort? I haven't, no. No? It's not really a question I can really answer at this point. Um, yeah. It's one of those things I'm going to have to go down to Tesla showroom and bring a controller with me, plug it in, try it. Or somebody can bring one their Model 3 over and we can give that a go. Sorry, Steve, can't answer your question 100%. So, But thanks for submitting. All right, uh, next question comes from Pear. He says, uh, uh, why does Tesla have different firmware features for the Model 3 than the S and X, like TPMS reset and dynamic brake lights? Well, some of it's jurisdictional. Like in Europe, they've got that new software update and stuff that flashes the lights when you apply the brakes. Um, again... Some of the software differences are up until recently been related to the the screen orientation stuff. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me that Tesla probably has two, probably two separate software teams, one working on Model 3 software, another working on S and X. Um, again, if they were to go to horizontal screens, that would probably amalgamate some of those people to a certain degree. I don't really know. Um, Ian, any thoughts on this regarding the TPMS reset? Yeah, I can speak directly to that. Um, if you recall, the very earliest versions of the car actually had a manual reset. It was right there in the menu uh, in the uh, wheel and tire tech thread. I um, I talk about that, what the reset procedure was. And then I guess, I want to say about a year ago or so, it vanished. Um, and we hadn't got it back. Now, in one of the beta softwares that was out there, I think it was .12, 
um, what, about two months ago or something like that, we saw screenshots or whatever, or, or talk about the fact that that was one of the features. It was in one of the sets of release notes for it, that it was coming back. And it was really cool, because not only could you get TPMS reset back, where you can do it yourself, but you're we're apparently going to be able to change the, um, the trigger point of the system. So if you change tire sizes, or if you're going to the track and you want to run a lower pressure and you don't want it winking and telling you, you know, you're losing pressure, we're supposed to be able in future to set the pressure we want manually, which is fantastic. You know, mm -hmm. As somebody who's constantly messing around with wheels and tires, this is like a dream come true. Ooh, program it, have it operate properly with the correct thresholds, fantastic. So that's supposed to be coming, but I after that dot .12 you know, prototype, it vanished and we haven't seen it again. So time to pester Elon. I want that back. Let's, <laughs> let's get that going. By the way, some of you will probably be getting the latest uh, software updates, but it may not include the new game. I think it's 20.2 <laughs> or... Um, it's and one I of them is it's 2019.20.2.1 is okay, the, yeah, the extra one on the end yeah and it includes a fix for the brightness um on the screen because there may be some people i think it was um what was it cheryl crow had a model s and she was yeah, yeah she was complaining about that so i think that's probably related to that uh, to try to keep the brightness up to a bare minimum because otherwise if it goes completely black you can't see anything on the screen right Okay, next question comes from Dan. He's in the UK. He says, tire tread, uh, tire tread depth gauges. Uh, what does Ian use and what does he recommend? Ele manual or electrical? Whatever's lying around. <laughs> okay. My thumbnail. How about a pen? <laughs> what no, do you I'm, use? I'm a, quite, a pence in England? Can I you use it all by I, I sort of do a Vulcan mind meld with the tire. And I just, <laughs> oh, I, um, I, I, just because the tire companies give us so many of them thing, I have typically have a bunch of the the little manual analog ones lying around. That works just fine. I mean, if you want to get fancy and, and get a nice digital one, I mean, uh, if I want to go that far, I'll bust out my um, my digital vernier caliper, and now we can get you know <laughs> down to the hundredth yeah. of whatever. Sure. But uh, no, a, you know, a, a standard uh, analog one that you can pick up at any auto parts store for a couple of bucks is just fine. Okay. A fun fact for you. So I, I read once, because I know the internet, there's a lot of stuff that you have to kind of, you know, be careful about. Mm. But in the U.S., if you take a standard U.S. penny mm -hmm. and you put it head down, if if Abraham Lincoln's head gets cut off, <laughs> then then you're okay. Once you see the top of his head, then your tire tread needs to be uh, needs to be looked at more carefully. So that's like us using a penny if the queen... So that's like... Like us Appreciate using that. a penny if the queen smiles, then it's good? No? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I wonder if there's a similar sort of trick that if you don't have a gauge on you, but you happen to have change in your pocket, if there's some uh, UK currency that might be able to do the trick too. I'm just by, the way, by the way, if you're on the internet and you're searching for currency, look up, look up spocking a $5 bill, Canadian $5 bill. Prepare to laugh quite hard. Anyways. Can't do it anymore because the pictures changed. But the old five dollar bills, you would spock a five dollar bill. It's quite hilarious. Speaking of, speaking of, <laughs> yeah, speaking of currency, a quick thing I read today is unrelated to the show at all. Oh, okay. Is that the we'll, Super Bowl we'll in Miami coming uh, coming in twenty twenty might be the first cashless Super Bowl? Really? Yeah. I I don't know if they can do it. They're they're looking into the technology to see if they could do it. But Tom Garfinkel, who's the uh, CEO and president of the Dolphins. Uh, was telling a story to, I forgot what the outlet was that covered it. Uh, I think it was for The Athletic. Uh, said that they're looking at uh, doing a cashless Super Bowl. We're seeing more sports venues doing that. I think there's a, a soccer stadium in, I'm not, I don't think it's Wembley, but there's some soccer stadium over in the UK that's doing it now. Uh, there's a stadium in Atlanta that's doing it here in the US. 
So it's interesting. With I, I generally don't carry. I'm talking about using a penny, and I'm like, I don't ever carry coins on me. But uh, yeah, we're uh, we're becoming slowly but surely a cashless society. Hey, if the cruise lines and Disney can do it, why can't the Super Bowl? Yep. Yep. Exactly. All right. Moving on here, Ken uh, submits a question. He says, "Is turning the cabin temperature to low with the fan off, uh, recirculation off, the only way to prevent energy loss from the HVAC system? Any other temperature probably turns on the heating element." Correct. Correct is the question. Hmm. Uh, let me parse this one here. Uh, turning the temperature Angel lost from the HVAC. Yeah. Well, now this, this, this also uh, his question also hinted at during the springtime. So it's not like it's it's winter or something else. Here's the thing, though. So like my car, obviously, I live in Florida. Uh, it's it's this Friday will uh, will be uh, the first day of the summer solstice here in in the northern hemisphere. If you live in the southern hemisphere, our friends in Australia, it'll be winter. Yay! Yay! Um, but I know, I know for me, like in terms of energy loss, I, I have yet to try this experiment. I'm very curious about it. Um, but the thing is you would have to be in the car to do this because from the app, you just turn on the button and you, you know, you're going to cool your car down, whatever the setting is you had last in there. Um, I know that if you have just the fan and you're only letting exterior air coming in, so you're basically in vent mode, not using recirculation and you have the cabin temperature all the way down to low, even if your car, even if you had it at 72 or 66, why would the heating element come on if the temperature in the vehicle is warmer than your cabin temperature? I think what he's talking about, yeah, no, but uh, no, I'm I'm looking at the question. I think I understand. There's some periods uh, or certain temperatures, depending on what the outside temp is, the inside temp is, where you're actually running both. Like the car will run a little bit of heat, and it'll run the AC to dehumidify. Now, typically, when you're heating in winter, that's happening a lot. It'll it'll run right. the AC compressor to dehumidify while the heating yes. element is is heating. I would find it astonishing, however, when you get into warmer temps and the car really should just be running the AC. There's no reason for the heating element to come on. And you can imagine, you know, like the Tesla engineers were chasing every last milliamp of consumption to get the range right. of the car up. There's no way they're wasting energy by running both the heating element and the AC element when you don't need it. I mean, uh, in defrost mode, you know, in cooler temps, yes, I can see them both operating, you know. But even then, I think they screw around with it. I think there's an algorithm that decides how much AC gets used because as we've seen, you know, if you're not perfectly aligned or you don't use quite the right setting, you still still get a lot of fogging in the interior. So it's it's, it's pretty cheap when it comes to using the AC to defrost in winter has been my experience. I've I've had to hit the, the windshield vent a few times to get it to full defrost with full ac so i don't think this is a concern i think they got that dialed in pretty tight yeah i know for me and i don't know what it was after i got the very latest the latest software update on my car not not the current one that's out like going out right now the dot four with the games and stuff but the last software update i got my hvac system went completely nuts i really? turned on the ac and i got heat it was just all over the map i tried a soft reset i did a hard reset Tried all kinds of things. Eventually, I just kind of gave up. And after a day or two, I don't know what happened. The system shut down or something. And then it's been fine ever since. So I had a real bad glitch in the car. um, And it was really weird. I know for me that... I will say this. HVAC, uh, as far as air conditioning, if I just sit there idle, doesn't use all that much energy. Heat Mm -hmm. is a different matter altogether. Right. Uh, When I need... If I don't need the air conditioner, I'm in the habit of going to manual mode and I turn it off just to save on energy. Um, and I've also done a video on how to mitigate 
in the colder months, of course, your window's fogging up. There are certain settings that work for me that prevent it from happening. I'm in the habit. I have a Model X, let's face it. Uh, it's a big beast. It's got a relatively small battery compared to the size of the vehicle. So I'm playing a little bit more energy management than, say, somebody with a long-range Model 3 would be. So for me, I'm always tweaking some of those settings, especially in the winter months. In the summer months, ah, don't care. But in the winter months, it's it's a game of energy management to try and minimize some of the stuff that's going on. So for me, if I don't need to use the AC, I'll leave uh, recirculation off to make sure I get fresh air coming into the cabin, turn AC off. And, of course, it's just management. But everybody's case, of course, is a little bit different. So, so yeah, I don't know what me, happened, like, but, but that software update was really weird. It's driving me nuts there for a bit. If if my car is, like, if I go out in the middle of the day for lunch and uh, my cabin temperature stays 125 because uh, I don't I don't have the uh, overheat, overheat protection turned on, um, if I'm sitting in the car, and it, mind you, it, it, the AC is cranking out the amperage at first, and eventually as the cabin temperature gets lower, eventually the uh, the fan speed slows down automatically. In the time that I'm sitting in my car, which maybe could a good 40, 50 minutes, I might lose 1% of charge. Maybe two, depends on, on how long it's running for, but like, we're talking like one to two percent, which is nothing. Yeah, AC is not nothing. that much. You're, you're, you're talking three or four miles in a case like that. So it's come really, up here in the really winter and turn on your heat and see what happens. Oh, so yeah. I, I have this allergy for snow. Um, <laughs> it, I don't know. I, I I'm <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I I I'd love to visit Canada. I've heard many great things. I have two of my dearest friends in Canada, but snow. Eh. This guy you, and that guy. You'd have you'll, to pay me to come up there in the winter. Oh, dude, I can't so addicted to it. It's, all you need is is my car in track mode in snow, and you'll never want to leave. Mm. It sucks to walk around. No, I'm going to want to leave because I'm going to just the distance from walking from your front door to your garage. You'll be like, get in the damn car. It's so cold. I can make the whole experience seamless for you. All right, all right guys, we got to move on here. Uh, next question comes from uh, Ken again. Ian, uh, is it bad to scrub the scrub the tires? Ex example, playing a video game while supercharging. Uh, I think I know where this is coming from. <laughs> Everybody's wigging ever since the buggy race thing came out. You can actually see the front wheels of the car so you moving around. As obviously as you're moving the steering wheel, I mean it's all mechanically linked, right? I mean these cars are not drive by wire as far as the steering goes. They're, the wheels are going to have to move. But because of the way the um, the geometry of the steering rack works. The first couple of inches of movement on center don't actually move the tires a whole lot. You, you don't want a lot of movement at that point. You know, that, that first little bit off center is what you're using to guide the car at high speeds. So it typically only moves the tires a couple of degrees. That tiny amount of flex in the tread is not going to harm them. Tires can put up with an incredible amount of abuse. I've got a video up here from Tom Cross on uh, yeah. on, uh, on Twitter actually. where he's showing playing the video game. He's yeah. moving the steering wheel. Oh, it looks like to be almost half a turn. And the wheels yeah. are only moving maybe an inch each side. So it's yeah. not an issue. Uh, you know, like, again, if, if you understood what tires are designed to cope with, like I should show some videos of the torture machines they have in the labs, you know, that are driving them at 45 degree angles across asphalt. I mean, horrific things. And, you know, they'll put up with that all day long. There's very little heat buildup. It's heat, like intense amounts of heat when the car is transitioning. You know, you have 4,000 pounds of mass, you know, trying to shred the tire off the end of a road, you know, a full, full flat out corner. Yeah, that's a little harder in your tires. But just back and forth in the parking lot? No. Yeah, I wouldn't really lose about it. Except if you go to a Tesla showroom on those nice tiles and the wheels are moving, you're going, I'm sure the people in the showrooms are going to be going crazy. Yeah, they do one of these 
hands. Yeah, it's gonna get a little squishy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> hey, one last thing before we end the show, I want to give a little shout out to my friend Jay, Jay Pace, because Jay Pace. Jay Pace. Now, at the last Tesla Owners Ontario meeting, he came up to me and he gave me a brand new Model Three Hot Wheels. Been looking for one of these, so thank you. And uh, Ian, you got one today, didn't you? I so wish I could show it off on the show, but I left it at the office because Aww. it's part of my little mini Tesla collection over there. So I didn't think to bring it, but thank you so much, Jay. And uh, thank you to Boogie because it was addressed from Boogie to Magneto. I thought that was particularly That's cute. Awesome. That, was, that was kind of fun. Yeah, but yeah, very cool, Jay. Thank you. Yes, we really appreciate it. And maybe, Eric, I don't know, you might get one someday. Not your thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know shipping the damn car. I mean, the car only costs about a dollar fifty, but shipping to the states probably one hundred fifty bucks. I could just go to the nearby store and just pick up one if I really, really <laughs> wanted to. Uh, and I know Ian had had this photograph he tweeted out of his. Um, was it your niece got the model Model S? Granddaughter. Um, granddaughter. I'm sorry, granddaughter sorry. had, had granddaughter. the Model S inside the. So it'd be really cool to have the now that Hot Wheels car. Yeah. Inside the Model S, inside your Model Three, inside yeah. the Model Y. That's yeah. like a big game of Tesla Inception. <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll be like the Russian doll of yeah. Tesla cars. That's I got, like, I got Russian doll, and yeah, somebody called it Tesla, Tes, Teslaception or something like Tesla, that. Teslaception, Teslaception. Oh my God, <laughs> that's like a band. Word. Anyways, that's the end of the show. Can um, I do one more? Just one more little please, shout out, Trev. Yeah, please. I, just more, a great yeah. experience I had today, and I just wanted to shout it out. Um, please do. As everyone knows, um, it's stressful times these days for the parts and service folks at the stores uh, and the Tesla network all around the world, um, you know, with the end of quarter and all these little crazy things going on. I myself needed to order a replacement part for my car, and I called the store, and I just couldn't get a hold of a live human being. So today, just for fun, I, I opened up um, the website and um, clicked on the support page in the menu, and right away you get a little, dunk, a little chat square that comes oh, up. Yeah. And uh, yeah, first time I decided to ever use it. So I said, yes, I'd like to chat with someone. It takes about two, three minutes for someone to come online and boom, um, someone came online. I explained the problem. I gave them the part number I wanted to order, whatever. And they went back and forth and they, they directly contacted my store in Montreal, made sure they had the part in stock, gave me the pricing, had it put aside under my name. It was seamless. And the whole time I didn't, you know, it took about 20 minutes from start to finish to get the whole thing arranged, but I'm sitting there typing away, doing my work, you know, and the little chat window would just appear. Um, it was terrific. So, I mean, if you are having trouble trying to source a part or get an answer or anything at all, don't be shy to use that. It was it was terrific. So I, I wanted to give a special shout out to Stacy, who helped me in this particular case and everybody on the team down there. Terrific work. It was such a nice way to do it, you know, without having to remember to call back and wait for an answer it was was fantastic. So that's an option for anybody who wants an answer in such fashion. I think the moral of the story here is, um, I mean, what you hear on the Internet is mostly just negativity. And there are a lot of positive experiences and stuff. So, you know, Elon says he's working very hard on fixing, you know, the service issues and stuff. My experience with Tesla service has always been exemplary. Um, it's always been great and stuff. So, you know, you hear horror stories, but, you know, it's not always the norm and stuff. So, but it doesn't mean it's perfect. So just keep that in mind. Anyways, since we have you on the screen, Ian, why don't you uh, do whatever you want to do as far as plug. Let people know where they can uh, find you. Uh, what do you want to talk about? 
So, well, on Twitter, you can find me. Um, the handle is at uh, Ian Pavelko, as you might even be able to see on the screen in our new fancy schmancy Brady Bunch screen layout here. I think we've got our little name tags in the bottom. I hope that's visible to all of you that are watching I, it on I YouTube. I have to do a little more work on that, but uh, yeah. Okay. So, um, but yes, so at Ian Pavelko on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me on uh, Tesla Owners Online. The handle is Mad Hungarian. If you have any questions regarding wheels, tires, uh, or anything else you can think of that I might be able to help you with, please, by all means, hit me up there. And of course, we have Mr. Camacho, who is so ably uh, modeling the Weapons of Mass Adoption t shirt, uh, which is part of the uh, Mad Hungarian Evolve Wear collection, which you can find at Teespring, T E E Spring, all one word, dot com. Just uh, once you get on there, search Mad Hungarian Evolve Wear, and you will find the full collection and uh, anything you buy on there goes to support various EV organizations uh, around North America. Link I look like Kilroy. Yes, I know. You do. You do. And always the link will be in the uh, video in the podcast description if you guys want a direct link to it. Eric, how about you? Where can people have a chat with you? First, thanks to everybody who actually took the nice little thread that I put on Twitter uh, several days ago and followed all of the cohorts that I tweeted uh, about my buddies Nate and Raphael and Michael and these two schmucks and everybody else you followed, nice. Bonnie and and NSA and it's just everybody because we we love this community we we thrive because of this community and we hope that a lot of you have learned from so many of people that are in the Tesla community all trying to just get the message out there on behalf of Tesla it's free advertising it's free marketing we love doing it uh, so I hope I'm thankful for everybody who took the chance to say, hey, I followed eight of them, but now thanks for those other two. I know that a lot of them were like, hey, and I even got follows back by Bonnie, which is awesome. Yeah, I love Bonnie. She's, she's the great. I told her she's like the founder of this stuff, and she's like, this is so <laughs> nice. Um, so that's the first thing. Secondly, thanks to you guys. I'm now over 800 followers on Twitter, which Woo. is crazy. So awesome. you guys can find me. You can find me on Twitter at the handle ECFix. That is ECFIX. It's on Twitter.com. If you haven't heard of it, it's an amazing website. Go get yourself an account. Uh, you can say random things, 240 characters. It's totally fun. And the third thing I want to say is um, Trevor recently had an event he did. Um, what's the city again in uh, Canada you were at? Peterborough. In Peterborough. Uh, it was a Mercedes-Benz vehicle event, but there were all kinds of Still other owners here for cars. <laughs> he still has water. Nice. Um, the thing I want to draw attention to is basically this, really quickly. When you are out and about, if you are someone who is interested in Tesla, maybe you own a Tesla, but you want to kind of talk to somebody else, I cannot tell you a story where a Tesla owner was not approachable. They didn't, they would never take the time to answer a quick question, exchange information. Even um, there's a funny video with Michael, he put on his Twitter account tonight, Tesla Tunity on Twitter, where he had a, a century video where a, he mentioned this in his Twitter recently, where a family, he was out for dinner, puts a pizza in his frunk, and the family comes out from the restaurant, like, here's what's going on, like, what's going on in the frunk? And he ended up sharing the uh, quick video from the, the Century Cam catching that family leaving the restaurant. The littlest thing can spark a conversation. So if you ever see it, I know Trev's going to have a new shirt coming out pretty soon, so buy that when you get a chance <laughs> to do it. Um, but again, we we love answering questions. So whether you find us on social media, if you see us in person, if our cars are out there, you want to introduce a neighbor, friend, coworker, like, this is cool, come see the car. If you come up to us and say, hey, can we see your car for a second? Absolutely. So the event that he was at, the Tesla cars got more eye candy attention than anything else. So that's, that's just a testament to both the owners and the brand. So, again, thanks, everybody. We hope we keep uh, 
following along and adding new followers. And I'll, I'll probably do something like that again for some of the more prominent uh, Tesla people out there, um, like Kim and Ben and many others. But uh, again, thanks, thanks for all the new follows. Well, with that, I'm the last guy on the totem pole here, but that's okay. You can <laughs> very active on Twitter. You can find me. The handle's Model Three Owners. Don't forget the forum is the place to talk about all things Tesla. You can find that at TeslaOwnersOnline.com. Membership is free; doesn't cost you anything. Jump in there. We got almost forty thousand members now. It's going Woo-hoo. crazy. It's growing, growing, growing. Anyways, uh, we'll leave it for that. And uh, hey, listen, if you like the show and you'd like to help out, maybe support the show or whatever, you can check out our Patreon page. You can find that at Patreon.com forward slash Model 3 Owners Club. I know, I'm not changing the name. I keep saying that, but uh, we'll leave it at that. Anyways, that's it for this time. Yes, Eric, your shirt looks awesome. <laughs> You're freaking out with the no eyes thing. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Anyways, that's it for uh, this time, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening and watching, no matter where you happen to be. See you later, guys. Bonsoir tout le monde.